Can we uh, make some noise for our God? Is God good on today? Has he done anything for you? Like, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, like, God is amazing. Just breathe life into your lungs, you know, the root my breath of God, like all that stuff. Um, so God is amazing. Um, my name is Marcus Anderson, and um, with the time that I have allotted, I want to be a respecter of time. I was trained and disciple. Do what they tell you to do and sit down, and that's exactly what I'm going to do. And so on today, uh, if you can, let's go to our scripture. We're going to be in Ephesians 2, Ephesians 2, 11 through 15, Ephesians 2, 11 through 15, and just put a thumb there, and I'm going to tell you why we are there. Over the time of praying and fasting and, 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 and ever since we uh, um, heard about what God was doing in victory um, and, and, and talking to Pastor Paul, uh, the thing that has the question that has been arrested, my, arresting my heart has been, God, what is victory? What is victory? Now, I'm not talking about the church. I'm talking about the thing the church is named after. Right. So, God, what is victory? Um, in football, uh, I, I work as the character coach and chaplain for the East Carolina football team. And, and, and um, on our board, we have a board that outlines metrics that we're looking for in a win. We want to be able to reverse the field position. We want to be able to uh, score more points than, 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 the, uh, than the other team. We want to be able to hold the team to a certain amount of points. There's, there's even specific uh, uh, metrics about the, 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 um, the field of play that we have. And so with that, what I recognize is, is that um, a good team, a good coach always has metrics for what the victory should look look like and I'm, I, I am convinced that God is the ultimate coach and the ultimate mastermind that he also has things that he desires and what victory looks like and so my prayer has been God what is victory what is the victory that you desire what is victory what is the thing that you're looking for I know that you want to do something and Charlottesville that is convinced I mean a pandemic happening y'all have not stopped a pastor transition y'all have not stopped and y'all are still here today so God is obviously doing something in the midst and I'm like God if you call me to join alongside of what's going on what is victory the answer to that question is the the sermon series will be going through through the next three weeks called vip everybody say vip, VIP. a little bit more enthusiasm say VIP. vip victory is a proclamation a process and a people victory is a proclamation a process and a people one more time for the Holy Ghost. Victory is a proclamation, a process, and a people. As I've been studying, God has been saying, this is what my victory looks like. And so on today, we're going to talk about victory as a proclamation. If you turn with me to Ephesians 2, and um, where I came from, we like to say participation is better than observation. So if you can, please stand to your feet. I'm going to read the word. Um, and, and I just want y'all to, 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 to let it soak and rest in your hearts, and then we'll pray. It says, Ephesians 2, 11 through 15 is where we'll be at. It says, therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the circumcision, the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at a time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now God in Christ Jesus uh, but but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ Jesus, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing, by abolishing the law 
the commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace. I want to go back to verse 14. No, actually verse 13. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this time. We thank you for this moment. God, uh, as Pastor Choi said so eloquently, we are underneath your roof. God, I'm even now as I see the tents, I'm reminded in Exodus of how the people went outside to worship you. And God, I pray that this will be a moment here, that you will be our cloud by day and our fire by night. God, I pray that your word would do what it always has done, that it would prune the hearts of men, it will call us to repent and that we ultimately will be reconciled to you first and reconciled to each other. God, I pray that what you're doing in victory, that this sermon would just be uh, um, would be a continuation of the words that you have spoken and the work that you are doing, that it will only uplift and build the kingdom. It's in Jesus name we pray. God, hide me behind your cross. Lord God, I pray that you will turn this water and turn it into wine. It's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. 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 You all may be seated. You all may be seated. Um, my voice is a little bit raspy. I sound like T.D. Jakes because I was at the Build Conference in uh, Orlando. Build is with our Every Nation Network family. And uh, and one of my mentors, uh, the guy who discipled me, Pastor Chris, was preaching. And every time I was yelling like, yeah. But I recognized that, you know, I used to yell a lot when I was like, you know, younger, but I'm 35. So my vocal vocal cords is like, bro, we don't do that no more. And so please bear with me um, as we continue to uh, rock. And so with that being said, um, being a VIP, right? Because we're in a sermon, sermon series called VIP. Being a VIP is a really cool thing, is it not? Right? To be entitled a very important person. I mean, you get the opportunity to see things that nobody else sees. You get walked behind doors that nobody else can go through. You get access to stuff. Life is different when you have those three letters in front of your name, V-I-P. I have the luxury of being a VIP in, in certain vignettes and venues, and I work with the football team, and so it's funny because, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have a different lanyard, and so you'll, you'll, you'll walk in, and it's always funny because people, I don't wear my lanyard visibly because I'm like, hey, maybe you just know who I am, and uh, maybe that's a little bit of ignorance and pride I repent, and so in that, I'm walking, and one time I walked in, and somebody stopped me, and I had my, oh, you're, you're okay. <laughs> you know, and they, they just let you in. When you are a VIP, life operates a little bit different for you. Nowhere else is being a VIP a great luxury than in the airport. Oh, come on, y'all know how I feel, right? In the, in the airport. In the airport, you get the opportunity to skip past the line with all the common folk, right? You know, go to TSA pre-check. You get to enter and exit first, right? That's a big deal. Right? You also get the opportunity to have a driver that'll come pick you up with your name on a placard. V being a VIP is great. And nothing else says VIP to me than the Sky Lounge. Oh my God, a Sky Lounge is the creme de la creme of the airport. There is food, there are comfortable seats, there is quiet music, you have waiters and waitresses waiting on you while you wait on your plane. Oh my God, a Sky Lounge is amazing. And they even frost the doors so you don't even see who's in there. I'm a little bit jealous of the Sky Lounge. <laughs> 
Because I've never been, I don't have access. I'm not a VIP in the airport. So I'm jealous, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm doing a lot of repenting. And so every time I walk past the Sky Lounge, I, I find myself stealing glances to see who in there. Just who in there, I'm just outside, looky-looing, just who in there? Because you know they got the faucet doors so you can't really see past the faucet, you know, it's just like the paper. And so, being a VIP, man, is a really cool thing. And so as I pondered being a VIP, I recognized the same thing is going on here in the text. There are VIPs and there is a divine sky lounge called the family of God. And it's full of VIPs. And this is the tension that we walk through in the text. That there's a group of VIPs and there's a group of people on the outside. And the Apostle Paul, as we continue, continue, continue through our survey of the text, I'm going to be like the little guy, or the guy that transports the people, you know, the old people through the airport with the little four-wheeler, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm talking about? He has like an orange vest on, maybe a shirt and tie underneath, and he has like the ride on the four-wheeler, you got to watch out until he'll run you over, right? I'm that guy with you all today. So I'm just going to escort us around the text so we can kind of know what we're walking into, because I believe what God is doing here in the text is also what's happening here in our midst, in our city, right? And so with that, what we walk into, looking at 11, verses 11 and 12, is that we walk into hostility. We walk into hostility. I take it not for granted that we start our sermon series off with hostility. Why is that? Because in order to have victory, there has to be a war. In order to have victory, there has to be conflict. You cannot achieve a real victory without going through something. And so in the midst of this text, we see a conflict. It starts in verse 12, and, 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 and verse 11 um, uh, kind of accentuates the, the hostility. Let's look at verse 12. It says in verse 12, it says, Remember that you were at one time separated from Christ. The Apostle Paul, the author of Ephesians, as well as 13 other books in the Bible, he is talking to a group of Gentiles about a group of Jews. And what he's outlining here, he's saying, remember, at one time, you had hostility with God. There was a hostile hallway, and at the end of that hostile hallway was God himself standing at the end. You had hostility. Why do they have hostility, you might ask, is because Gentiles were not a part of God's family. They were not allowed in divine access to the sky lounge called the family of God. They were cut off without access. They themselves incited hostility. My look at St. Marcus, why did they incite hostility? Because there was a spiritual separation between God and Gentile because of sin. If you don't know, Romans 6 and 23 outlines for us that God hates sin. Wherever sin is, God is not. And wherever sin is, God ain't there. God hates sin. It's like, it's like the Bloods and Crips. They don't just go, go against each other. It's like UVA and Virginia Tech. As soon as you see a maroon and gold and you're, you're a wild, like, yo, I want to fight. I just want to fight. Right? God, that's how God is with sin. God hates sin. And the Gentiles, they're full of it. They're full of it. Full of sin. Full of sin. Their sin incited a spiritual separation, and that was the cause of the hostility they had with God. 
I take it out for granted that for some of us on, on here today, that is us. We feel hostility in the heavens. Just can't really describe it. Maybe you're not here. Maybe you're online. Maybe you're watching in. Maybe you hear my voice in the, in the echoes of this hallowed halls and you hear that that is me. I experience hostility in the heavens. Right? So, what is a Gentile? A Gentile is any person who is not a member of the covenantal people of God. Essentially, God's chosen people, or AKA, also known as God's VIPs. <laughs> See, it's gonna come, we're gonna keep coming back to VIP. And so, so who were the VIPs? They were the Jews. <laughs> Jews were God's chosen people. These were the ones that God said, you know what, these will be my people. And how did they become VIPs? How did they become very important people? It's because they inherited the spiritual promises from their forefathers, from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and David. That God had promises lined up and stored up for them simply because they were in the last name of these forefathers. God said to Abraham, I will bless you and make you a father of many nations. Look up at the skies. You can't number it. Look at the grains of sand. You can't number it. And that's how much your children shall be. There were covenants or promises that God gave them. So what does that mean? The Jews were the only ones with access. Access to forgiveness. Access to God's presence and access to salvation. Do you feel the tension in the room? The next thing goes to the next area of hostility that we experience. Um, we experience hostility in verse 11. Verse 11 says, therefore remember at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision which, made, which is made in the flesh by hands. The second hostile hallway we see is that was hostility between people groups. That the Jews and the Gentiles had hostility, rife with tension. Our text actually starts with a slur, believe it or not, <laughs> called uncircumcision. That was name calling. That was a name that Jews gave to Gentiles specifically to outline their spiritual status. Okay, that's a lot of big words. What am I saying? They were basically saying every time you got called uncircumcised, they were saying you are not a promised person. You are hopeless. You are eternally void. That your life matters not. What is circumcision? Circumcision is a... Is a covenant made in the flesh for a spiritual promise made in the heart only the Jews had access to this promise so they called them uncircumcised and so what was the source of hostility here's the crazy thing I started to study in the text as I got well well we, we kind of know but for those who don't know meaning me what's the source of the hostility the source of the hostility was the fact that the Jewish people had the spiritual promise, but no worldly power. They had spiritual promise, but no worldly power. Why didn't they have worldly power? Because of their disobedience towards God. If you look closer in the text, Paul actually makes a clarification. And he says, if you look in the NLT, it says, yeah, they were circumcised in the flesh, but their hearts were not. 
So what does this mean? Little tidbit here, this is free. This is not even in my notes. Um, uh, it, it, is, it, is, it is one thing to be a child of God, but you still got to obey. <laughs> that is good. That is good. That is good. Okay, what am I saying? That you can be blood washed, fire baptized, and all this stuff, and doing all these great things to God, but if you still are not obeying God, he can still look at you and say, I do not know who you are. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Better than what you do for me. Do you obey me? One of the things that frustrates me as a dad is when my daughter is disobedient because I'm like, look, I love you, but you're intentionally going against the very thing I told you not to do. So I'm going to pull away my blessing. I'm going to pull away my hand to show you it's better to follow than it is to be on your own. We got to obey. We got to obey. We got to obey. We got to obey. Wow, that, that took a lot of time. Okay, so they were disobedient. So their disobedience to God, their punishment for their disobedience was they endured generations of oppression from various world powers who were the Gentiles. Ah, now, you, now you're welcome into the tension. Now you're welcome into the tension. And so the Gentiles were people with power, but they had no promise. Now you see, Jews were the people of promise, but they had no power. Gentiles were the people with power, but they had no promise. They won the world, but lost eternity. May that not be us. May we not win at our job, win at our career, win in the city, Winning all these things, and yet we lose the very thing that propped us up, God himself. May that not be us. What profits a man to gain the world and lose his soul? Now, the tension starts to set in. Because you can you imagine the hostility that would occur when an oppressor and the press start worshiping together? Can you imagine when the very person who cheated you on your taxes is also in the synagogue worshiping the God that you worship? That is hostility and tension like none other. Last thing we see, there's a hostile God and there's a hostile people. And the last one is a hostile government. And verse 12 the second half says, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. The third hostile hallway is, uh, is a hostile government. Jews were God's people, but there was a system to keep it that way. The Mosaic law. The Mosaic law was in place to keep the separate separate. <laughs> the Mosaic law was in place to keep Jew from Gentile on purpose. And there are three things that we see about this law and what it does and, 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 and the depth of the hostility. One, we see that Gentiles were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. That means they were banned from fellowship with the people of God and from God himself. 
Second thing that we see is that Gentiles were strangers to the covenant of promise. This means that they had no access to God's protection, God's covering, God's guidance and storehouses of grace and mercy. Third thing, Gentiles were without hope and without God. This means they were on their own, refugees without asylum in the wake of a hostile, wrathful God. Do you feel the hostility in the room? Do you feel the tension? Do you feel how tight it is? Transitioning as we turn down another street, we turn off verses 11 and 12 and we go down to verse 13 and we see a reality warping, earth shattering, bombastic, magnanimous, dunamos, dynamite power, bombshell happen in the text. Come on, come with me, family. If, you, if, this, if this is good, just give me an amen. If you like it, just like, but yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Like, I'm tracking with you, right? You hear, you hear what I'm saying, right? Like, you know, I was raised in a Baptist church, and, and you know, something about audible praise just, just tickles my soul. So, so if you're with me, just be like, yeah, I, I, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. Okay, great, amen. Same thing in the text and in the chat. Like, give me some fire emojis, some gunshots, I don't know, whatever it is, whatever it is y'all doing with me. Earth shattering truth. What's the earth shattering truth? Let's look at the text. It's verse 13. It says, but now stop. Ooh, oh my God. Thank God for a but. Oh my goodness. It says, but now, but now what is but? But is a conjunction contrasting what was with what is. So it says, but now, conjunction, junction, what is your function? Putting deck together words and adverbs. So but comes in to say, I don't care what happened before, but now. Woo, oh my God, what is this but? Oh my goodness, the text is telling us there's a transition. What is a transition? Let's continue reading. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once for all have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Amen. Amen. That's a great place to praise God. Come on. Yes, let's do that. Come on, let's praise God. But now, but now, but now, the text tells us Jesus bridged the gap. There was eons of separation between God and humanity. But now, Jesus bridges the gap. He bridges the wall of separation. He bridges the eons of hostility. Jesus bridges the wrath that was stored up for humanity. But now, but now, but now, the outcasts and refugees now have a way to come home. The Gentiles, who were created by God, but, not, but were not the children of God, can now move from creation to child. But now, but now, but now. What does this mean for us? I know you're looking at me like Marcus, I don't get it. What does it mean for me? This 2,000 year old truth. You are a Gentile. <laughs> If you are not heritage, 
spiritual heritagely linked to the Jews, you are a Gentile. That means you are an outcast. That means you have no hope. That means you are alienated from the promises of God. But now Jesus preached your God. But now Jesus introduced himself into your story. But now Jesus is able to do what no man, no sacrifice, no other God can do. But now. Have good news. If you feel the hostility in the heavens, if you feel far from God, but now, Jesus can bridge your gap too. But now, how did this happen? The text tells us the blood of Jesus. And, and, and this starts getting to me as a good old Baptist boy um, from South Florida. The blood of Jesus. So the blood of Jesus shed on Calvary, paid the price for sin for all of humanity. The blood of Jesus ended the hostile God and brought peace between man and God. The hymn says it this way. Oh, how precious is that flow that can take me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. When he's hanging on there in the cross, being whipped into the spear, enters into his side and blood spills out. That blood wrote the peace proclamation ending the war between God and humanity. What is a proclamation? A proclamation is a public announcement with urgency. So that means in urgency, the blood of Jesus wrote out our peace accords with God. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. He washed our sin white as snow. So no longer do you need to be a Jew to have access to God, but you can get to God through Jesus. <laughs> the text even tells us this. What is victory? The victory is that we have peace with God. We were the problem, but Jesus is the answer. We were cast off, but Jesus brings us close. This is victory, that we have a proclamation of peace written in the very blood of our Savior. Amen. Next one. We have peace between groups. Verse 14 says, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. We have peace between groups. The proclamation of peace is not only bridging the gap between God and man, but the proclamation also bridges the gap between us. <laughs> That's a good place to praise. That's a good place. We'll get it, y'all. We'll get it, we'll get it, we'll get it, we'll get there. So Jesus doesn't just bridge the gap between us and God, but he bridges the gaps, the gaps within humanity. Talks about this wall of hostility. What is this wall? This wall is both a spiritual wall and a physical wall. The spiritual wall 
was that we were separated from God from sin. And, and it says in his flesh, in his flesh, meaning Jesus' death on the cross. So Jesus' death on the cross destroyed the wall of hostility between us and God. If you read through the Gospels, it says when Jesus died, the veil separating in the Jewish temple, God from man was ripped in half. Jesus broke down the wall. The next thing is, is that this wall is a physical wall. In the Jewish outer courtyard temple, there was a literally called the wall of hostility. On it was written an inscription that said, if you are a Gentile and you walk through these doors and die, it is your fault because you're not supposed to be here anyway. Oh my God, what is this symbolic for? This is symbolic for every wall that separates us from each other. Whether it be racial walls, whether it be socioeconomic walls, whether it be educational walls, whether it be uh, ethnicity walls, whether it be gender walls, whatever wall you can conceptualize when Jesus died on that cross and they hung him high and they stretched him wide, the walls came tumbling down. Oh my God. This means reconciliation is possible. Yeah, yeah come on, capture that. The, 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 the vision of this church is to reconcile each other to God and to man. If we're honest, sometimes the reconciling man to man is impossible. Seems impossible. But Jesus is death on the cross. Yeah. says reconciliation is possible. Amen. Tell me another guy that rose from the grave. And I believe what he says too. Jesus already did the impossible. He's not just Christus example, or Christ the good example, but he's Christus victor, meaning Christ the victorious one. So literally, as he was dying, swirling around the cross was all the principalities and the spiritual forces um, that we could ever face and the wrath of God met. And in that swirl, Jesus stood forth victorious. Means reconciliation with each other is the gospel. And it's possible. It's possible. I don't care what it looks like as you drive around Charlottesville. I don't care what it looks like when you talk to other people. I don't care if they got to make America great again hat or they got to whatever Joe Biden's joint was, I don't care. Joint, I'm sorry, my mind, but joint is a hip hop colloquialism for saying that. Uh, it's a noun, so it can mean anything, person, place, or thing, right? And in this version, when I said joint, I wasn't talking about the joint you smoke, I was talking about a campaign sticker, right? Okay, I just wanted to clarify. I just wanted to clarify. Dang, he's talking about smoking doobies up here. What in the world? I don't know if we want him. Question. What are the hostile walls in you that are yet to be destroyed? What's the hostile walls in our city that is yet to be destroyed? Last one, and we'll end here, is that we have peace with God, we have peace with each other, and now we have a peaceful government. 
It says here in verse 15, by abolishing the laws and commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two. So making peace. Jesus, the text tells us Jesus abolished every law, every ordinance. And I believe that this is indicative, not just for the spiritual, but also in the natural. Because the laws were not just spiritual, but they were also were natural. So every law that is meant to keep us from becoming one, Jesus in his blood shattered the wall and broke the law. He abolished all laws, keeping us from each other. That is good news. Jesus did in the spirit what no man can do. What did he do, Marcus? Let's take our analogy of the airport skyline, shall we? All of humanity was in the TSA checkout line, destined for hell and eternal separation from God. But Jesus shows up himself in his salvific TSA um, Shabbat, his robe, and he steps into our line cuts the line and escorts us out to TSA checkout, pre-checkout. And then he walks with us and talks with us and he tells me I'm his own. And when we show up, we look up, we're at the Divine Sky Lounge called the Divine Family of God. And those heavenly frosted doors that once remained closed now open because the King of the universe is there himself. And we are escorted in and sit down at the table called Grace and Mercy. And then, as we're seated at the table, talking with our Savior, the waitress called the law comes in. And when the waitress calls the law comes in, it tells Jesus, well, Jesus, our policy is that these people are not normally allowed here. Jesus, slowly and ever so daringly looks at the law and he, like a Denzel, get up when he was sitting and remember the Titan stands up, bows his chest forward and says, I don't care about the policy. As a matter of fact, this whole establishment is under new management. And what happened is in my blood, I have given them a salvation card <laughs> that anybody who comes in here with me or has this card now has access. Oh my God, that I wish I had a prayer church and you could just praise God with me. That Jesus has bridged the gap between us and God and has brought us our peace. Come on, can we get three seconds to praise God? Family. No, I'm doing a lot of yelling. I'm sorry, I get excited. I'm all football players a lot. <laughs> but this loving truth is what led me to the cross. Growing up, I knew Jesus hated me, but I didn't know he loved me. And that scripture says, it's the love of Christ that compels. And it was the love of God when I myself was standing at those heavenly frosted doors trying to find a way in to the sky lounge called the family of God that Jesus came alongside and shall we go in together family as I close this is the work of victory this is victory 
one, we have a victorious proclamation of peace, of peace with God, peace with each other, and peace in our government. What does this mean? This means, excuse me, this means that here at Victory, our job is to carry the proclamation of peace in every nook and cranny of this city. This means we, as Victory, are, we will preach, we will fight, we will strive until the peace of God rests in this city. We will fight, we will strive until the unity with each other is felt in this city. We will strive, we will fight until there is peaceful equity within the systems of our city. This is what God has called victory to and this is what victory is. It is a proclamation of peace that Jesus did what no other man could do. He bridged the gap between us and God. He bridged the gaps between each other and he abolishes any unholy and unrighteous system that would keep the thing that he called together separate. What any man, what God has called together, let no man tear asunder. This is our God. This is our Jesus. This is our work. Let us pray. Father God, I pray for us on today that as we work, first off, God, I acknowledge that there's hurt in the room. That seeing somebody up here that's not Paul or Troy is a little bit jarring. God, I pray that, that you would heal the hurt even now. God, I pray that this would be an Isaiah 6 moment. That when the, in the year King Uzziah died, Isaiah saw the Lord. God, I pray that we will behold your face more clearly. God, I pray for us as we work. Remind us that our work is war. That there is a conflict that we're entering into, but the fight is fixed. That you've already sealed victory when you died on the cross. And we're working from victory and not for victory. God, I pray for us on today. Head still bowed, eyes still closed. Family, I don't want to assume. But as you heard the scripture and heard the word of God, there might be some of you who have experienced that hostility in the heavens. You're like, man, I'm far from God. But talking about this Jesus and how he bridged my gap, man, I want to know who he is. If that's you, raise your hand. If that's you here today, raise your hand. Amen. I see that hand. Amen. Amen. I see that hand. If that's you in the text, Put something in the text, in the chat, group chat, let us know so we can follow up with you. But man, you know what? I want to experience peace with God by the means of salvation. I want to know who Jesus is, if that's you. Second call, that some of you are saved, but you feel far. It's like, I don't, I don't know where God is. I, I don't hear him like I used to, used to, and, and life's been hard, and the pandemic's been rough, and 
and, 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 and when I hear about how good Jesus is, I don't think he's that good. If that's you, um, there's peace for you here today. And we want, and we just want to be able to pray for you. If that's you, raise your hand. You're like, man, like, you know what? It's something off. I, I feel far. If that's you, raise your hand. Put, your, put something in the chat. Let us know. Let's pray and I'll be done. Father, I got to pray for those who have made the decision to follow you on today. Got to pray that they would know that you are the God of peace. That you are not, you do not offer peace, but you are peace. So God, I pray that they'll be able to grow where you call them. That you would plant them in this church or wherever they're from, Lord God, and that they will be able to be connected and grow and get discipled and continue to know this gospel truth. God, I pray for those who feel as though that they're far away from you. God, I pray that they would know that even taking the decision of faith to raise their hand, scripture now comes alive. It says, draw near unto God and he will draw near unto you. God, I pray that they would know your peace. God, I pray that they would know your reality and that you would shape their very existence. Thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen.